Isaiah 9. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honour Galilee of the nations by way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the great greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So uh, we're now going to jump over to Luke 1, starting at verse 67. His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he said through his holy prophets long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet to the path of peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Chris. Let's take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, your words of light and life. Uh, As we uh, reflect on the the light of Christmas, uh, might your word shine your light into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Well, it's the day before Christmas. Work and school have finished up. Uh, The mad flurry of December activity is almost at an end. The end's within sight. And it's time to pause and breathe and and reflect for a moment. 
Uh, This Christmas, our, our readings from God's Word encourage us to reflect on the themes of light and darkness. Uh, Isaiah 9, the first passage that Chris read for us, is a famous uh, Advent passage in this season where we we look back to Christ's first Advent, his his arrival as a a baby, and we look ahead to his promise to return in glory, to reign. In that passage, Isaiah prophesies a new light, a new dawn for people walking in darkness. Christmas is all about light coming into a dark world. So let's spend a little bit of time this morning thinking about light and darkness. As you reflect on your year, uh, where have you seen light? What brought you joy and hope this year? What encouraged you? What truth did you see more clearly? What relationship is in a healthier place? And then on the flip side, what darkness is clouding your life? Where did chaos and confusion break in this year? Perhaps loneliness or isolation knocked at your door. Have you experienced injustice or or conflict? Was crime a factor in your life this year? Because sadly, along with light... A darkness is a constant companion in our world. So I want to take a few minutes this morning to think about the problems of darkness before we turn to the light of Christmas. So here, let me suggest four ways that darkness can impact us. And perhaps you've experienced some of these this year. Uh, there's disorientation, there's desertion, danger... And despair. There's some Christmas alliteration for you. Four D's of darkness. Disorientation, desertion, danger and despair. No event has brought more darkness in the last few months than the war in Israel and Palestine. The scale of death and destruction is devastating. Almost 20,000 Palestinians, including 7,000 children, over 1,000 Israelis, bombed out hospitals, besieged churches, abductions, terror at that music festival. And wherever your sympathies lie in this, it is a complex conflict. It defies our simple categories. We, we want goodies and baddies. We want oppressors and the oppressed. But history and politics, especially in this case, are not so simple. It's murky and opaque to many of us. And it illustrates that larger point that wherever there is darkness, there is confusion and disorientation. Darkness confuses us, whether it is physical or moral. Uh, Last week, uh, you might remember if you were here, John talked about walking through a tunnel, absolutely pitch black, and he had to kick the railway line as he walked along so that he didn't get totally disoriented in the tunnel because darkness confuses us and disorients us. Physical darkness disorients us physically, just like in the tunnel. But moral darkness, like in the the war in Gaza, disorients us morally. And spiritual darkness disorients us spiritually. Uh, Secondly, darkness makes us feel deserted. It, It isolates us. When you're in a dark place, you're more likely to feel alone. 
Perhaps your friends can't see what's going on. And if they can't see, then how do you know that they care? Darkness cuts us off from our family and friends. And if you've had someone close die this year or a relationship has ended, it can be a a very lonely place. It feels like no one else really understands you and what you're going through because darkness isolates us. It leaves us feeling deserted and lonely. One of the saddest events in Australia this year was uh, in the Hunter Valley in June. You might remember on the news, 10 wedding guests were killed when late at night, in the dark, their bus crashed. Because darkness is also dangerous. Why do we put floodlights in public places at night? Because the darkness feels more dangerous than light. Because people are more likely to do something criminal in the darkness if they think that no one else can see, that that they won't be caught. Uh, Just up the avenue here, the bike path passes under the street. You might know where I'm talking about, just up here. Uh, I often ride it during the day and I love the wattles and the gum trees that I ride past in that little section. But if I have to ride it at night, suddenly those trees and bushes, there, there are no lights on that bit of the path. Suddenly those wattles feel very eerie. The shadows are deep. It feels like they're closing in. And yes, I pedal just a little bit faster. The darkness is disorienting. It's, it's isolating and it's dangerous. And ultimately, therefore, can lead to despair. Uh, I used to participate in a sport called Roganing, uh, which is a little bit like orienteering. Uh, walking around, finding checkpoints in the bush with a map and a compass, uh, no GPS, except uh, Roganing uh, can go for 24 hours. Uh, So uh, it's a bit longer, it goes overnight. And let me tell you, when you're lost in the bush, as we sometimes were, uh, no tracks, it's bad enough if it's during the middle of the day. But when it's 2 a.m. in the morning, it's just me and my cousin, and we're cold, disoriented, tired and hungry, maybe wet, hopefully not, it's pretty easy to give up. One time we just laid down and tried to sleep on the rocks in the middle of the bush for an hour or so, not the best idea. Another time we walked all the way back to our tent uh, to have a sleep. This darkness leads to despair. On a more serious note, you could think of the indigenous leaders after the voice was voted down this year uh, in October. They had a week of silence, such was their devastation. Frequent floods and cyclones and fires remind many of the warming climate. There's a sense of dread and despair. We feel the hopelessness and powerlessness of it. Four in five young people, uh, it said, experience climate dread. Darkness leads to despair. And the problem is that when we live in darkness for too long, it, it seeps into us, actually. We might get overwhelmed by the gloom and the misery, uh, and we might snap with anger. But either way, we, we internalize that darkness. 
whether we're overwhelmed by the gloominess or we snap back in anger, we internalize that darkness. And when that darkness takes root in us, well, then we inflict darkness on others, don't we? We isolate them and blame them and reject them. We offend against them. We violate their rights. And sometimes we even try to inflict that darkness on God. We isolate ourselves from Him. We blame Him. We reject Him. We offend against Him and we try to violate Him. So I wonder as you reflect on your year, do you notice the darkness within you as much as you notice the darkness out there in your circumstances as well? In our reading from the prophet Isaiah today, it talks about people living in darkness and gloom, people who've been humbled in the land of Zebulun and Naphtali. And and it's talking about this because just before in chapter 8, Isaiah has prophesied that Samaria, uh, that's the northern kingdom of Israel, which includes Zebulun and Naphtali, well, Isaiah has prophesied that they will be conquered and taken into exile, and that's exactly what happened around 720 BC. The people are taken as captives to a foreign land. Their culture and customs are destroyed. One can only imagine what it did to their sense of identity and who they are. So no doubt they're feeling disoriented. Why did this happen to us? They may be feeling deserted and isolating. Why didn't God protect us? They're definitely in danger from this uh, foreign power. And probably despairing. And perhaps, just perhaps, the darkness is seeping into them too. And they're turning away from God. Turning away from others. And so the question for them is, when this happens, does God see and does God care? Does God see and does God care? In fact, it's the same question for us too. In our darkness, in the darkness of the world around us, does God see what you're going through? Does God care? Has he left us to stumble all alone in the darkness? Or does he see and does he care? That's the question posed not only by the Old Testament, but by all the darkness in world history. Does God see? Does God care? And God's answer through the prophet Isaiah is yes. Yes, he makes a bold and outrageous promise that yes, he sees us. Yes, he cares. He gets us. Look at how God's promise in Isaiah addresses our problem of darkness. Uh, Firstly, he promises a child who will bring a new dawn for a dark world. God sees that darkness disorients and causes confusion. So he promises that his child, this child will be a good ruler. Who brings order and justice in place of confusion and chaos. The government will be on his shoulders. He is a wonderful counsellor, we're told. Full of wise instruction and teaching. 
His reign is full of peace and justice and righteousness. Not moral confusion, not roaming in the darkness, but light and clarity and justice. And if you read Jesus' teaching, uh, you see this moral clarity and insight. Uh, People who hear him are commenting on his authority. He knows what he's talking about. He has profound insight. And if we trust him, he will reorient us towards God's good purposes for us and for our world. He will reorient us from our disorientation. Well, what about the the isolation and loneliness of the darkness? Well, God promises that the people, in fact, are not alone. He promises to come to them personally in a child, a human, not just with uh, physical and material help, but with personal companionship. He will be everlasting father. Uh, That means he can offer stability and and belonging to them. And when Jesus comes, one of the most amazing things that he does is that he doesn't come in a palace full of light and comforts. He is born in a manger, in poverty and isolation, in vulnerability and darkness, in solidarity with us in our darkness. God's answer to our loneliness is to become one of us, to be with us in the flesh. So friends, however isolated you feel, if you feel deserted, then please take heart this Christmas. The baby born in the manger is God saying to you, I am with you. I see you. I care. I'm drawing near. God sees us and he cares for us. And through this child, he he reorients us from disorientation and he draws near to us in our isolation. He also promises safety in place of danger. This promised child will reign on David's throne, we're told. David was the famous king of Israel. He shepherded God's people and protected them from their enemies. Under David and his son Solomon, they enjoyed peace and prosperity. But this child that God promises will even exceed them. He is the prince of peace. And at his coming, there will be such joy and security that there will be no more need for the things of war. The warrior's boots and garments will be fuel for the fire. This child offers you safety and security, a refuge of peace in place of darkness and in place of fear and anxiety. So yes, God sees us in the darkness. He cares. And in all these ways, he speaks hope to us. He speaks hope to dispel our despair. If your darkness is overwhelming, even if it is utterly overwhelming, then the mighty God, the Prince of Peace, the wonderful Counselor, born at Christmas, is God's gift of light and hope for you.
But then what of the darkness within? We said earlier that darkness in our circumstances is one thing. But what if it has seeped into us? Where is the hope and the peace if we can't even escape our own darkness? In that second reading from Luke, we meet an old father. Uh, Zechariah is his name. He's just witnessed the birth of his first child and he sings for joy. In verse 68, he says, Praise be to the Lord and God of Israel, he has come to his, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. Zechariah's child has been born and he seems to think that Isaiah's promised child of light has arrived. He sees redemption coming. He sees freedom from oppression. He sees peace and justice. He sees freedom to worship God without fear. Now that's a lot of pressure to put on a child. I don't recommend it if you're a parent. right? But in verse 76, we realize that actually Zechariah is not talking about his own son. His son is not the Lord, not the one promised by Isaiah. Because look at what he says in verse 76. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. To give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven. To shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the path of peace. Zechariah's son will prepare the way for a wonderful dawn. Because it will not only bring the freedom and security and joy promised by Isaiah, it will also bring the forgiveness of sins, the tender mercy of our God. Because God knows that as bad as the darkness is out there, As much as that needs light shone on it, and it does, there is also darkness in here. And we need a new dawn to shine light in our hearts too. We need God's tender mercy. We need forgiveness for our sins, for our darkness. And so at Christmas we celebrate a baby who brings light and life into the world who assures us that God sees us in the darkness. That baby grows up though. He spends his days bringing light to the blind, to the lame, to the excluded, relieving the darkness in people's circumstances. God sees, God cares, but also God sees our hearts. God cares about our hearts. And in his death, Jesus goes even further. He gives his life on the cross to bring forgiveness, mercy for each of us. He shines light on our darkened hearts even. He fills our hearts with his light. So friends, this Christmas, as you wrestle with the darkness, uh, wherever it is in your life, are you open to the light of Jesus? He came to be near us, to be with us in our darkness, and he died to bring light, even into our dark hearts. And what is more, he has promised to return, to come back and reign with God's justice and peace. 
Will you open your heart to this gift of light this Christmas? Let me take a moment to pray before we sing. Our gracious God, we thank you for the compassion that you have on the darkness that we see in the world around us and even on the darkness we see within us. Thank you that by sending your Son, you show that you you see us and you understand our darkness and you show us the solution, you show us the new dawn, the new light to dispel our darkness. Would you open us a bit more this Christmas to your light? In Jesus' name, amen.